Welcome in, everybody, to OKC82 by the uh, Franchise Podcast Network, podcast about the Oklahoma City Thunder. Been on a uh, hiatus uh, for a while here as the uh, basketball season ended, and uh, more work has uh, come onto all of our plates, myself, Josh, and Drake as well, but getting stuff ramped back up uh, in a very, very big way with my good friend, uh, and pal from InsideTheThunder.com and Draft Digest, Derek Parker. Derek, what's going on, man? Everything's going on, Matt. Uh, I'm happy to be here. I'm I'm stoked to be like the first guest back from an apparent hiatus. That that puts no added pressure on me whatsoever. Uh, but yeah, we're we're in a really busy period. I'm I'm so excited to be here, dude. This is awesome, man. I appreciate you, uh, Derek. Used to be with the with the franchise uh, as well. Uh, you guys may know him as the intern. Uh, the bachelor, uh, the bachelor intern, uh, <laughs> who he's he's still with. He is still with uh, the woman there. But um, man, Derek, a lot of draft stuff to get to. Obviously, NBA Finals stuff going on right now. But that's that's not why I have you on. I have you on because, and we're we're going to get into it too. Because I, I listened back a little bit to our episode this time last year, uh, going into the draft where obviously Thunder had the two and twelve pick. And then boom, trade all the way back up into not not even trading up. They traded into the first round again to snag Usman Jang. Uh, I, I I re-listened to that a little bit today. Uh, Derek, you were you were spot on on Usman Jang. I don't know if you remember at all, but I asked because obviously we had a long talk about two. And how could you not? Right? How could you not? Right. It's not second overall pick. That's obviously going to get a ton of the attention. Uh, but I asked you like, who do you think like just you could take a wild guess, anything. Uh, I actually wrote down a uh, majority of your question here verbatim. I was like, yeah, I asked you, who the th- who in your mind the Thunder were taking at 12? This is what you said. You said, uh, I'm going to go Usman Jang. Just based on what I've heard and the educated guesses that I've made, uh, they would have to go up to get Jang. Derek, that, that happened. <laughs> All of that happened. Listen. Again, no more added pressure for this episode for me to be exactly spot on. I'm going to tell you right now, I have much less of an idea this year at who they want at 12, like significantly right. less. So don't expect all the answers here. I don't remember being right about that at all. My brain deletes files, but I'm happy that I was. <laughs> I don't remember that. You said you said based on what I've heard and uh, Derek, I, I know the Thunder are very secretive and stuff. So one, who do you know? And two, is this being, I know I'm recording this. Is someone else recording this just to, you know, are they going to strike stuff from the record that you say? Um, let's just say there may be multiple recordings of this podcast. I'm going to leave it there. All right. I'm going to leave it there. Cool. 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 (laughs) Shout out to the FBI, uh, (laughs) officer that, uh, is listening to this right now. Um, so Derek, obviously I think, now, again, last year too, we can get into our pod last year a little bit later, but this is this is a big deal whenever for receipts. This is a big mm-hmm. deal for receipts, right? You know, if you put a take out there, it it can come back to to haunt you uh, and stuff like that. Which uh, I was, we were very open last year. Uh, myself even more. I mean, I laid it all out there, like all the times that I was just completely wrong, or I was completely bought in on a guy, and they just. Uh, turned out to not be not be anything good. So I will say I'm going to nail one thing. I'm yeah. going on record. I'm going to nail one thing. Victor Wembanyama is going to be the number one pick. So that's <laughs> hey. that I think I, I can go on record and say I'm going to be right about that. And outside of that, that's all I know. 
Don't get too crazy up here in here, Matt. Don't do it. I know it's a hot. Nothing is set in stone here. It is a hot take. Speaking of nothing set in stone, I wanted to get some general stuff out of the way um, as far as the lottery and how the draft fell. Um, And then we can get to the thunder stuff later. uh, Mm -hmm. If that's cool with you. So uh, we mentioned, obviously Victor, we don't, we don't need to go into it. Uh, Everyone knows Victor Wembanyama. They've known him for a while. You know what you're going to get with Victor. Uh, But at two, the the Charlotte Hornets at two. I I'm a little bit weary of whenever. Okay, Scoot Henderson was going to go two mm-hmm. the whole entire year. He, right. The whole entire year, it's Scoot Henderson's going to go two. Heck, even Scoot Henderson was going to be the number one pick if Victor Wembanyama wasn't in this draft class. Like it, all that. Right. And then all of a sudden, Brandon Miller plays college basketball and then we get (laughs) removed from uh, the college basketball season. And now it's kind of looking like it's Brandon Miller at two. And then uh, either Portland taking scoot at three or trading away three uh, to someone to go up there and snag scoot Henderson. So uh, in your mind, like, I guess one, like your general thoughts on that, like uh, on Brandon Miller versus scoot. And then two, do you have any like pause or is it just more and more film that you guys go through and that you guys break down to where there's a guy that's no doubt number two, maybe no doubt number one, if Victor isn't even in this draft, but then it comes down to it. You get further removed and it's like, Oh no, wait, this guy, he actually jumped this guy. He's moved down a little bit. Yeah. I think in, I mean, in my mind, I've evaluated them both. I have all the information I need to make my decision and I have scoot as a clear number two. And I think we do need to hold our horses a little bit on Brandon Miller going number two, just because neither of these guys have worked out for the Hornets yet. I'm not sure why or what information Charlotte is giving that makes everyone think that, but they haven't seen these guys in person. We know that Scoot wants to go to number at, at the number two slot. I just think, I think for one, Orlando's move last year in like this like very last second decision was like heralded among among draft circles. Like it was such a Why did they do that? Like, that's so impressive that they kept it such a lockbox. And I think that's going to want to be replicated by teams moving forward. And I, it wouldn't be surprising to me if Charlotte did that this year with Scoot. Like, all of the information we're getting is that they're going Brandon Miller. Despite having not seen them in person, I think Scoot works on paper with LaMelo Ball. He shoots it 10 times a game. Like, you don't need to dribble a lot to do that. I, I think... Scoot could be the pick at number two. So that's what I'll say. Miller might be the better fit on paper, but I I think we need to wait and see because I really, I wouldn't personally pass on Scoot. I don't know how anyone that goes through the full evaluation could either. That's just my thought process on it. Right. And sometimes is it as simple as just like, oh, Brandon Miller's 6'9 and he can shoot. Like he can, <laughs> he can just really shoot, you know, like he could not only just shoot. I, I'm, I was not saying he's just a shooter by any right. means, but like, how much of that, like, do you think sometimes plays in people's mind? Like, Scoot Henderson, obviously not the tallest guy, uh, but Brandon Miller, his ability to shoot at 6'9", how much do you think of it is just that? It certainly can be. I mean, you see a guy that shoots it seven and a half times per game at a 38% clip, and he can do it over everybody because, like you said, he's 6'9", with a plus wingspan. Like, it definitely is a factor, but there's so many nuances to scouting that, like, of course it's deeper than that, right? So... I mean, the the size is a huge, huge swing for a lot of teams. I don't know if we have a bead yet on if Charlotte is one of those. Like, it would be for the Thunder, of course. And the playmaking, they're pretty even there. So if 
the Thunder were in their position, you know, I they might lean Miller, but you never know. It, it, there's obviously, like I said, so many nuances to it. Yeah, absolutely. Why why does nobody want to play for the Houston Rockets? <laughs> like if we, if we can just not necessarily dunk on the Houston Rockets a little bit, but I mean, Scoot Henderson was no, I'm not working out. I'm working out for Charlotte or Portland. Is it simply just <laughs> Scoot just knows that he's going to go two or three and that's it, or is it just like oh no, people because was there so, there was someone last year who didn't work out for it was Chet, Jabari Smith. Chet didn't give uh, Chet didn't give his vitals, and I don't think Jabari went and worked out either. Right. So why do these? Why, why does no one want to play at Houston? It's a good question. I I thought we needed to like broaden our scope here and just be like, why does no one want to be in Texas? But then with the whole, with the whole like fist pump when he didn't go to Houston from Victor Wimanyama, but he's actually stoked, but he's stoked about the Spurs. It's like, maybe it's not a Texas thing. Maybe it just is the Rockets. I don't know. No one, no one, (laughs) no one's necessarily excited about that situation. Just in complete utter turmoil. I mean, uh, they, they love drama there. Hired Ime Udoka. Um, and then I just, I don't even know. That was just a quick question about the Houston Rockets just to, you know, not dunk on them, but just like, no, no, no. You hell? threw me just the like, alley-oop. The you threw right? it up and I, I think I dunked it. So <laughs> you absolutely did. You absolutely did. You actually windmilled it uh, too before you dunked it. Okay. So I, I asked you this last year uh, going in. I, I think this is just something something good to do, right? It's, is there a guy that you just, you don't see it with now? I'm not saying like, don't see it with, as in he's going to be like out of the league in like two years or something like that. But just like, as far as like where he's being mocked at in comparison Mm -hmm. to where he's being mocked at, is there a guy that you just, man, just really don't see it. Cause again, I was listening last year where, you know, AJ Griffin's being mocked at like eight, seven, eight, Mm -hmm. nine range. And it was we, you and I both. Even I'm a Duke guy, and even I was like, I just I don't see that. You know, is, is there someone like that this year that's really caught your eye? I first want to say I'm pretty generally optimistic. So like, even though you're asking me this question, like I'm not harping on these guys. Like I, I would never do that. Yeah, like, you don't want to see I, I'm them. I'm pretty fail. optimistic. You don't want to yeah, see them exactly. Fail, right? Exactly. I don't want to see anyone fail. I I truly believe all of these guys can be NBA players, but to some degree, Cam Whitmore is one of those guys for me. And really, just like you said, in the sense of where he's being mocked, I think he's absolutely an NBA player. But I think it was this Tuesday, three or four expert mocks came out and they all had him at number four. And that to me is just a little too high for what I think his low end and maybe even his high end outcome can be like he's this crazy athlete. He could be a three level scorer. He's shown spurts of it. He's shown spurts of having a good handle and creation ability. But outside of that, like a very negative playmaker defensively. He's kind of a playmaker, but like that's not the greatest strength of his either. I just think at four or even five specifically, that's really high, really high for a guy who's going to be directly dependent on other guys to make him successful, especially early in his career. So that's a guy I have on my radar as I'd probably take him more around the 10 range, eight, nine, 10 through 12 ish. Uh, seeing him at four kind of gives me the willies just a little bit. Derek Lively's another guy relative to like some recent mocks that I don't quite see it with. I think he's just, he showed a lot less than what's being let on in these yeah. mocks. Defensively, great prospect in terms of like shot blocking, but the drop coverage isn't as good as it's being hyped up to be. He averaged five points per game. Isn't an elite rebounder. I think lottery hype is like punching well above his weight. 
Um, but again, I like both of those guys. I think yeah. they're great in their respective spots. And then Nick Smith Jr. is the last one. He just kind of makes my basketball spidey senses go off in the wrong ways. He looks a little awkward when he's playing. He's like really jittery and frenetic, kind of not in the way that like a Shea is, but more in like a kind of off speed. So that could have been due to a nagging knee injury that he had, and it probably was, but he's another guy that I, I kind of just, I get the willies with as well. So those are my three, I would say. I'm I'm lower on relative to the consensus. Right. So like in, in Cam Whitmore's case, like if you're, if you're drafting at four, right, you're like, okay, a guy that could come in be a difference maker right away. Whereas like you're saying, if you're drafting 10 or kind of below, you're not really putting too much pressure in to come in and be one of the guys right away. Right. Cam's just a guy. He, his assist to turnover ratio was very bad. And I think the eye test backs it up in terms of just his like general, ball stopping, you know, what what have you. And drafting a guy like that at four, that's going to be directly reliant on a point guard to facilitate to him, or it's just not really going to make his teammates better per se. It's just not a guy that I would draft that high. Um, I really like his fit with like Detroit at five. Like, I, I think that's a bit high for him, but they have two really good playmakers in Cade Cunningham and Jaden Ivey that can facilitate the ball to him and keep the general flow of the offense going. I like that fit. Him to the Pacers at number seven, same thing. Halliburton's one of the best playmakers in the league. I like that fit. But in terms of like the Rockets, who without James Harden yet don't have that, like I really don't love that fit at all. <laughs> right, right. Okay, so on on the opposite end, opposite end, I, I wrote this down uh, just because this is how it kind of makes me feel sometimes. Is there a guy that you've rated higher than most that you feel like you're taking crazy pills on. Like, you know, you're just like, you're like, I, I feel like I'm crazy because I feel like I'm seeing something that no one else is like uh, Mugatu and Zoolander. He's like, he has one look. How does, <laughs> how does everybody not see that he has one look? So is there a guy that, that you're higher on than the consensus isn't? Firstly, I want to say Derek, that's probably like a top five, Derek, Derek Zoolander. For sure. Um, But yeah, that guy for me is probably Keontae George Baylor combo guard. We'll get into him in a Thunder perspective later, but I just, all year, he was kind of heralded as this top five guy. Is, is he a top five pick? Is he six or seven? And then he had, I believe it was an ankle injury. I don't remember the exact injury, but I think it was right ankle maybe. And his efficiency plummeted even worse than it already was. And from there, even after the season, he's just plummeted in mock drafts to the point a lot of people don't even have him lottery anymore. If he is in the lottery, it's, 13, 14. And he's a guy that I think is absolutely going to be an elite level, elite three level scorer in the NBA. He was asked to do a lot, be the focal point in a good system as a freshman at a, with a really, really good team in Baylor and injury derailed the season. I just like, I tweeted it out the other day. I just like, I see it. You can't even explain it. Sometimes Sam in his exit presser mentioned something that I really like where he says, when you're scouting, you kind of see these moments and I don't remember exactly how he described it, but you see these moments and you kind of peek your head up and hope that the other scouts don't see it. And it's just the, not even like specific plays. It's just these moments that you see that you're like, wow, that I saw that no one else didn't see that. And Keontae George just kind of does that for me. I can't explain it, but I just, I can envision his role in the NBA. I, I fully see it. 
I think I have him as high as like six and I, that would be like where the crazy pills come in, but that's, that's my guy. I love it, man. I love it. I don't know. We we can get into mine a little bit, not a little bit later, but I don't know why I, I really like Jordan Hawkins. I, I mm. don't know why I just <laughs> not to, not to come in and come in and be your guy, like not to come in and be your guy, but right. if he got to a point where, he could be my favorite role in the NBA, which is you're the sixth man and your job is to come in and shoot it 15 times while you're in. Like yep. the offense is going to run around you. Like I feel like if he could get to that point where he can shoot it like that, he can shoot it like he does uh, coming off the bench. I, I think for me, he, he, like, he kind of ticks all those boxes, but I, mm-hmm. again, uh, it would just be down to, down to fit. So anyone that you feel like you missed on last year, like last in last year's draft again, we're gonna start uh, on the on the bad side first, and then we'll get you a chance to work your way work your way back up. Anyone you feel like you missed on last year that maybe you didn't really see it, and then they they just surprised you. Yeah, it's a good question. I think evaluating your misses is really important in terms of the draft. I'm not sure I can count it due to what we had, but Shaden Sharp was a big one who impressed me this year that I wasn't totally anticipating to even do what he did. And that wasn't even like a lot, but yeah. from what I saw, I I wasn't sure he was going to contribute in any capacity in the NBA as a rookie. And he did that and then some, so he was a big one. Uh, again, I thought he was a little overpicked due to what I'd seen. Like all I had was these, these bits and pieces of high school film. And then there was the thing where, oh, he shot up to the number one ranking in his class, like within a, a two man's two month span. And I kind of bought into that a little bit. Um, but he really impressed me a lot. I mentioned the uh, the pod last year. That's exactly who you said last yeah. year. <laughs> yeah. you, you just didn't see it with uh, and all that stuff for all those same reasons uh, that you said. Mine may be a little worse than yours. And I think it is worse than yours. Uh, <laughs> I didn't. I did not see it with Keegan Murray. I did not mm. see it with Keegan Murray. Uh, but you helped talk me off the ledge a little bit uh, with the Keegan Murray stuff. I think it was more. it was more to do with where Keegan Murray was being mocked and the fact that they were thinking about taking him over Jaden Ivey, which I thought was insane. And mm-hmm. one, I didn't expect the Kings to be this good, right? Like I didn't expect right. them to have the year <laughs> that they had. And, and two, and he just played his role perfectly. Like he he fit into his role absolutely perfectly. He wasn't, he didn't need to be the guy. They have DeMontis Bonus, they have De'Aaron Fox, they have all these guys. He didn't need to be the guy, but he played his role perfectly and was a uh, first team all rookie. So uh, I will wear that one. Uh, absolutely. And I believe you told me that, that you just didn't see a world where Keegan Murray isn't a solid NBA basketball player. And, I th- <laughs> and that is, that is absolutely accurate. Absolutely accurate. Um, so I, I'll, I'll take the win there, but if you would have asked me, would he be like a year one playoff contributor? Right. I would have said no. So he blew away even my <laughs> expectations too. Absolutely. He, also, he awesome. that involves the Kings, like you said, being in the playoffs, and that I would have laughed. I would have left the Zoom room, like I would have laughed <laughs> you off the podcast. So, yeah. absolutely. So, flip side again. <laughs> flip side again. Anyone you feel like a little bit vindicated, maybe again that was maybe not against the grain, but against the consensus a little bit that you saw last year, and you're like, yeah, no, I, I nailed that. There are a few guys I think I probably. I guess I would say hit on. I think Jeremy Sohan is one of the bigger ones. Yeah, uh, I was a big fan of him, obviously. I think he had a good season, and I think he has a lot of ways to improve moving forward. And now he's got 
a potential perennial MVP on his team. Um, I was a little higher on J-Dub going into the draft, but not to the point like I would have said lottery. One of the bigger ones I would say was Andrew Nemhard. I think he was really yeah. impressive this year. And I picked him actually to uh, all rookie second team prior to the season as well. That's one I would say I was I was dead on. I love it. I love it. I, I, I'm not going to count it, obviously. But everyone and their mother was saying that Paolo Bancaro should be the three pick. And I was, <laughs> I was banging the drum for my guy, Paolo. Uh, the one I actually do really feel vindic- a little bit vindicated on. I know he didn't make any like all rookie teams or anything like that or made a huge splash, but, and it's tough to tell with obviously the Houston Rockets. I love Tari Eason. Mm-hmm, I love Tari Eason coming into the draft, man. Um, so I, I, I feel a little bit, a little bit vindicated on that. I didn't think, uh, you know, some of the other guys, like, I didn't think anything about Walker Kessler, right? You know, like yeah, I didn't really think that, much that would be him. a miss. I would say for me, right, from earlier. that's a definite I miss. I don't think anyone uh, had that. I don't think anyone had Christian Brown playing, uh, being in the eight man rotation for the Nuggets in the NBA Finals, scoring no. fifteen points in the NBA Finals game. I don't think anyone had that. So, um, yeah, just a lot of <laughs> a lot of uh, stuff last year, and kind of moving in now to what everyone is is really here for uh mm-hmm. the oklahoma city thunder i think most thunder fans uh i'll even i'll even throw myself a little bit into this i've done i've done my due diligence i've watched darn near every single person like highlights of, of every single player but it's easier to do that whenever you know you're the team that you're covering or you talk about has the number two pick and you're like, Oh man. Yeah. Like let's, let's really dive deep into yeah. this draft. It's a little bit harder when you have the the 12 pick and a couple of second round picks to just really dive deep because there's so many unknowns and possibilities that can happen. Um, so for me, the first question I had just to really start this off, just more of a general draft question rather than like, we'll get into prospects here in a second, but uh, the big thing is always like, do you draft best player available? Do you draft or or do you draft for the best fit? Um, mm-hmm. I've always been in the opinion that it, especially if you're a tanking team, just best player available and let like, let the chips fall where they may, right. You know, just acquire talent and figure out the rest later. Uh, obviously Thunder making the play in game without Chet Holmgren in their lineup probably say they're not tanking anymore. They, they, they're trending, <laughs> trending in a, a really good direction uh, to try to compete and make playoffs year in, year out. So now is it still best player available or it, do you see the Thunder trying to draft uh, more for more for a fit rather than uh, BPA? Yeah, it's a, a really good question. And I think it's one that we'll really have the answer to in just a few weeks. I tend to lean towards your philosophy in that if you are a really bad basketball team, get the best talent available and try and figure it out. Um, but the Thunder weren't a really bad basketball team this year. So I don't know that we know the Thunder's thought process on it yet. Like even for next year, I would say that they can start drafting for fit. But right now they're like really, really close to the line. And if they're close to the line in terms of like, well, maybe they could go BPA, maybe they could draft for fit. I would probably lean best player available just in terms of like, get the most talented guy. If it doesn't work, you always, you, you've attained that talent and you can mix it up down the line with it. Like you never want to be worried about hitting the talent ceiling 
like ever under any circumstances, even if the roster fit doesn't work. So that's my answer. I'm not sure we have it from like a Thunder perspective yet. Obviously, they've been kind of molding their team around these like jumbo playmakers. Everybody can dribble, pass, shoot, like all of this. I'm curious to see if that is truly what they want the entire team to be or if that's been to figure out who the cream of the crop is. I, I lean the former, but I'm not sure. And I think, yeah, it is a it's a really good question. Like that, that was my thing. I, I think, man, I, I'm just always best player available. I, I don't know why. I don't know. Yeah. I, I, like, and two, like, obviously the Thunder are trending in the right direction for sure, but they're not there yet. They're not there per se. They're not there where, you know, if Denver has a first round pick that they've acquired, for they can just draft like kind of whoever it, it fits wherever, or just name a playoff team uh, that's been in the playoffs year in year out. The Thunder, I think still need uh, some of that. And, you know, we can get into the, the prospects now. I mean, do you believe any of the smoke uh, coming out or, I mean, not do you believe it, but do you, do you see uh, the vision with a potential uh, Bilal Koulibaly? I, I see a little of both. I mean, I think he checks a few thunder boxes in terms of he's six, six has a seven foot three wingspan, like the length. That's the exact mold that, that J-Dub was last year. They obviously value that he plays really good defense, uh, has a high motor. They obviously value that, but I think that's kind of where, at least in terms of, like we said earlier, like the playmaking and all of that. I think that's kind of where the buck stops for Koulibaly. And I don't know if that makes him a, a necessarily a thunder target or not. Like his handle, I don't think is going to be up to par with what the thunder are trying to build, at least right now. His defense is good. His scoring is not going to be completely up to par. His shooting is a work in, in progress, despite some of the numbers looking okay. Like he's kind of being advertised via this playoff run that he's having as this guy that I'm not sure he is. And I just don't know if he fits what the Thunder are looking for in terms of what we know about them from the last few years. Now, if they have a philosophy change, like we talked about, now that they have their guys, he makes sense. But he's this athletic guy, and I don't know that they valued athleticism in this era. Like Josh Giddy, not athletic. Shea, their superstar, is not relying on athleticism J-Dub happened to have it, but he also checked all those other boxes. Chet is above average athlete for his skill position and things like that. But I don't know that they really value athleticism. And that's like Koulibaly's main thing. So in summation, that was a lot, but no, yeah, it was perfect. I, I get some of it, but to the degree that I guess we'll say like Thunder Twitter, like I, I put out that poll, right. And he's got 25% of the votes of who people want. I think they're a little caught up in the flavor of the week to yeah. in summation. Uh, I think it was a little bit of, Oh, uh, apparently Blau Kulbali got, got promised. And it was like, mm. Oh, well it's obviously the thunder. Cause they're the only team that do that. And then it was like, okay, well, we're going to talk ourselves into Kulbali. We already got We already got him. He's already a thunder. Yeah. Welcome. Welcome. Um, so I, I, a guy that has taken thunder Twitter by storm, uh, I will say this was in, I had this up here real quick. This was in March, March 21st. I texted my friend and I said, I found the guy who the Thunder are going to draft. <laughs> I found the guy. 
and it was Leonard Miller, wow. <laughs> the G League Ignite. And I I don't know. It was it was tongue in cheek, like tongue in cheek. I was like, oh yeah, this just like he's Canadian. Uh, he's left-handed, like he's he's all this stuff. He's you know six ten, versatile. You know, uh, their point guard goes out. He plays. He subs it at point guard for a little bit for him. Like he can kind of do it all. Uh, and oh, by the way, I already said this, but he's Canadian. Uh, so I was like, this just makes too much sense. So are you are you a truther or not? Are you a Leonard Miller truther? Here you go. I have pulled up a tweet. You can search it on the Twitter machine. March thirteenth. Ooh, <laughs> eight, eight days, mind you. Uh, I, I said, don't think there's been enough Leonard Miller buzz. Totally get the knocks, but he's made rapid improvements and is still just 19. If you feel even slightly good about the outside shot improving, spinning a first on him is easy. Uh, and then later, much, much later, I said, I do think he is very thundery. So I have him graded as a lottery talent currently. I would consider myself uh, a truther. I would. And I think after I came to the revelation that I I really believe he is a lottery talent, that's when I kind of started to put the pieces together of, oh, hey, the Thunder have a late lottery pick. And he kind of checks their boxes in terms of length. And he was this guy who was 6'2 in high school and grew to 6,000 or whatever <laughs> he is now. He looks massive. But I, I think he's definitely on their radar. 12 might be a little high relative to what other teams think of him because he is a weird fit. He's not a true center. He's not at all a guard, even though he has guard tendencies. He's this weird kind of hybrid forward. So maybe other teams don't value him that high and it would be a big reach. But I think he's absolutely a guy that the Thunder have done their their due diligence on. I think so, too. I, I would be happy. If the, I would be very happy if the Thunder uh, drafts him because I think it, I think it's an interesting. He's just an interesting talent to me. He's pretty unique. Um, he's he's got me. plenty of the the thunder funkiness that they've drafted in years yeah. past, and I think his like juxtaposition with Chet, with him being like this really big body that grabs eleven boards per game and can play above the rim at times with his athleticism. I, I think that next to Chet, who's more of a a skillful feet on the ground type of shot blocker and and floor spacer, I think it would be really cool. Yeah, uh, absolutely. I am. Uh, I would be excited about uh, that pairing for sure. I, I mentioned one of these guys. You mentioned uh, him as well, um, but I, they're kind of all around the same area. Whenever I'm looking mm-hmm. at some of these drafts, so there Definitely. are four guys here. I, I think I know where you're going with with one of them. Uh, we kind of talked about him earlier, and I, I mean, I agree with you. I'm very much impressed by Keontae George. He's this is like one of the first times where I, I turned 30 this year, and he. He made me feel 30 because I remember <laughs> watching his dad, Devin George, on the Lakers teams with Kobe <laughs> and Shaq. And, and I remember growing up watching all those teams. And so his son now about to be in the NBA makes me feel I, you You've taught me something because I, I didn't even realize he was a legacy. I had no yes. idea. He's a legacy. Devin George, man. It's just, it's crazy. <laughs> uh, it makes me feel very old. But okay, so these four guys, Keontae George, uh, Jordan Hawkins, a guy that I'm a little high. I just think if he gets mm-hmm. in the right, I can see it. Like I can see him in that six man role and just like, Hey, come in, shoot it. Like, come in. Yeah. You got the green light. Uh, Jordan Hawkins, uh, Kobe Bufkin and uh, Jalen hood Shafino from uh, Indiana. So kind of separate those guys. Cause they're all, I don't know what to make of it, Derek. I need you to, to sort this puzzle out in my brain. Cause they're all sort of around uh, the same area. Yeah, they're they're definitely all in the same range right now uh, per the expert mocks. Keontae George, we talked about him a little bit. 
three level hyper score. Like if you're drafting him, you are drafting him to get buckets. But I think the thing that separates him for me, and this is why I have him as high as sixth on my personal board, air quotes, not board, is he's a guy who really, really cares about defense and he's scrappy in that way. And I think he also showed a little more playmaking and passing chops than people let on. So he, you're drafting him for purely scoring. You know, he's going to be that spark plug kind of guy, but I think he adds a little more in other areas, not to the degree of some of these other guys that we're going to get into. The reason that I mentioned this, sorry, I should have, I should have let off with this is because I mean, Derek, obviously you're at all the games, you watch all of them. It, to me, like these guys can come in and score, do all that stuff. Or, I mean, hell, even start maybe down the line. But mm-hmm. it feels like with not betrayal is a, is a strong word, <laughs> but just like the the decreasing confidence in Trey Man to mm-hmm. this this season specifically, where you know he, he just he just didn't get that much game time. It was almost like if Trey Man misses a shot, all right, you don't have it tonight. You're you're gonna that's the only five minutes you're going to get. You already missed right out of here, sit down. So with that, like they were kind of thinking Trey Mann could be that guy when they drafted him. So I'm trying to really put together pieces. Maybe if that's the direction they're looking for at 12, like these are kind of the guys around the area that I was like, okay, maybe I can see it with these guys. Yeah. 100%. Uh, firstly, even as a precursor to what I said about Keontae, I think Trey Mann can get to a point where he's valuable. Like I, yeah. I am by Man. no means completely off of Trey Mann. I know a lot of fans like feel that way because we're seeing these like shiny new pieces right now. But like Trey Mann's book is very much not written right now, and it I'm might not believer. be with the Thunder. Yeah, I'm a believer. 100%. With Trey I mean, you see the raw talent. Like everything he's going through is very obviously from some, like mental blockers or something to that degree. I don't want to say that, but you know what I mean? Like he, yeah. he very obviously has raw talent. I'm not off of him, but I think Keontae George to some degree is like the supercharged version of Trey man's best attributes. He might not be better in terms of like rebounding or even passing or who knows, even defense is Trey man, but he has like, we talked about the pedigree. Like he was one of, he was a five-star went to one of the best, best programs in college basketball and was essentially their best player all season long, despite being 19 years old and and playing in the toughest conference in basketball. Yeah. Um, so he, he, in my mind is the supercharged version, uh, Jordan Hawkins. I don't think plugs in quite as well as what Trey Mann does, but is like, almost the Isaiah Joe 2.0 in terms of right. like what you were talking about, come in and freaking shoot that thing. Like it doesn't matter where you are. If you're open, shoot it. Uh, and he's a guy that I think is really, really advanced in terms of off ball scoring, uh, like his movement shooting. He absolutely, I've posted clips on Twitter, but he absolutely flies around the basketball court. And the second he gets it, he can snap his feet right to the rim and shoot it. He's got a pure stroke. So he's a guy who, I think you could flank in like a really versatile shooting lineup. Like if you ran him, Joe, Chet, Shea, and and one of the better other forward shooters, like that would be really, really versatile. And then Kobe Bufkin is a guy, like if you go put their their collegiate stats next to each other, Trey Mann and Kobe Bufkin, like they're identical. It's something I made the connection to a couple months ago. And then when you start, when you make that connection, you kind of start watching film. It's like, they're pretty, pretty similar. Right. 
I think he's six, five does everything. Well, uh, 14 points per game, somewhere in the range of like four assists four rebounds sound defensively again, due to being six foot five has likely a plus wingspan. So he's a guy that, that could fill that do it all role. Um, and then Jalen hood, Shafino six foot six jumbo guard, kind of the same deal. Does a lot of things really well. Pick and roll maestro, uh, good defensively, really good two way. And then uh, from the mid range is, is really where he gets to his spot. So he's not going to be a Hawkins or Keontae that, that, is a sniper from three, but he's really good at getting to his spots on the the pull up J's and things like that. So they're all really, really different in this nuanced way. You know, you can see their range in terms of, Oh, they're 10 through 14 or they're all guards, but they're all vastly different options. And I think all, all people that the thunder are probably taking a look at with number 12. Okay. So take, take Keontae George out of it. Say he goes before, before 12 mm-hmm. uh, thunder stay at 12. In your in your opinion, out of those three that are left, who would you who would you most like to see the Thunder draft there? Hmm. Who would I like to most see, or who yeah, do you. I think How they will you? take me? You, okay, well, let's do both. Let's do both. Who do you okay. who do you want, and who would you? What do you think? I would like to see Hawkins because Isaiah Joe was electric this year, and having two or even an upgraded version of Isaiah Joe, I think is just awesome. He doesn't check those boxes in terms of like great feel and overall like versatility, but he is like the guy when it comes to shooting, like probably the best shooter right now in the entire draft. And I think he makes the overall team more versatile and better. So he is who I would myself choose. Kobe Bufkin would likely be the pick if I was drafting in terms of like the thunder, what I thought they would do just, I mean, it, it makes sense in the Trey Mann version of like, they're very similar. Obviously they valued what Trey Mann brought to the table. So it makes sense to value what Kobe Bufkin is now bringing to the table. Right. The chances we, I mean, we obviously saw it last year. They didn't trade up. They traded into uh, the first round to get Usman Jang there uh, at 11, just saying bye-bye to three first round picks. Like it was nothing. It was kind of a little flex by Presti. I loved it. Um, <laughs> and what are the real chances that he gets aggressive in this one? Because we, we mentioned earlier drafting for uh, for fit or best player available. But uh, when you look up there around that like five, six, seven range, there are a couple guys there that I think could be both. Uh best player available and best fit in the Thunder's eyes. Like uh, you hear Jairus Walker, Taylor Hendricks, uh, these names kind of thrown around a lot. Are there uh, even like an Anthony Black or somebody like that? Real chances in your mind that the Thunder get aggressive because we've seen it and OKC has the ammo to do it, to get up to pretty much anywhere they want, Sands one or two probably. Firstly, I want to say on my outline, I have three names written down. Jairus Walker, Anthony Black, Taylor Hendricks. So oh, phenomenal, phenomenal right. reporting you. from you. you. Great job. Um, yeah, I, I mean, hacked, I, think I hacked your computer. <laughs> yeah, I think they're obviously going to try. Like they're they're going to do their due diligence with every team. I think there's a few potential suitors that could be looking to offload some salary uh, with yeah. players. You know, there's Bertans floating around and and whoever else. Uh, Will Dawkins just took the general manager for the Wizards job. So he obviously has a clear idea of who Oklahoma Oklahoma City wants and would be willing to give up to get there. 
they have this string of, I don't remember how many it is, like five, four or five drafts with trading in it. So expecting them to be aggressive, absolutely yes. The The issue is just the trade market has been so overblown lately in terms of deals. Like it seems like five picks are getting attached to every single thing and, and multiple prospects and guys. And these deals are just getting so much harder to get done, I think, every team feels like they need to win the deal rather than both of them making it out with equal equal value. And that's not going to be any different on draft night 2023. You know, if the Pistons are looking to trade out of five, they're going to want to feel like they're getting significant, significant value. And while the Thunder have that to offer, you obviously never want to oversell either. Like they're in this position because they've hoarded and they've kept and protected. You don't get there by overselling even to the point teams know they have it to do that so obviously they're going to try i think this is this will be the first time i've said this on record i think this might be the hardest time they have moving up in a while i really do i think there's so many good prospects in this draft i think teams are going to fall in love with their guy i think they're going to know the thunder have this ammo and i I just think it's going to be really hard to get a deal done so yeah, see that that's always been my thing is that yes, we know that the Thunder have all these picks, but so does everybody else. So the price the price just gets that much higher. It's like uh if I'm selling uh if I'm selling myself uh something, I I might I might know what what my money is. If I'm right. selling uh something to Bill Gates, uh, then I might ask some, uh, you know, for a little bit more money, right? He's got, he's got <laughs> enough to spend. He's got right. enough to spend. He can part with some. Um, so yeah, no, that, sorry, this just popped in my head too, because uh, this not necessarily thunder stuff uh, now, but I mean, Derek, I really appreciate it. I know we're uh, kind of coming up against it a little bit, but uh, what do I make of the Thompson twins? Can they, can they shoot? Can they not? Like what, what is the deal? Does it even matter if they can shoot? Cause they're that elite of athletes and that good at getting into the basket. It's a good question. I'm, I'm still, even after like, I've dropped a full like 14 minute video on a men. I'm still struggling with like where to take him. I even said this in a group chat the other day, big boards suck. They suck because okay. you're trapped in this. Like you have to be 100% right. So let's say I truly believe that Amen Thompson is like the third most talented guy in this draft. If I do that right now and he goes out and puts up a stinker rookie year, I'm an idiot. But if five years down the line, he's a complete superstar and I had, I dropped him because he was going to have a bad rookie year, then I'm an idiot. So it's like, there's no winning first off. I just want to throw that out. I'm I'm angry about it. That's why I don't put out a big board very often. If at all, I'm, I'm pissed about it, but they're really intriguing prospects to touch on the first point shooting. I'm not confident a man is ever going to shoot that thing. Like it's wonky teams are going to, I mean, even the overtime elite was daring him to shoot it. Like they were sagging off heavily and sometimes it still didn't matter because of the first step, the explosiveness, all the athleticism we touched on, but I'm not confident he'll ever shoot it. Azar, I have much more faith. I think he shot, close to 40% on like nine attempts in the playoffs. And that was like probably four or five games. So his season numbers weren't bad. His shot like mechanically looks a little better. I trust a czar much more than I trust a men. Um, but, but overall 
I think they are hyper athletes. They're going to be able to get to the paint at will. It's going to be really dependent on whether the shot comes around for both of them, whether they like reach their ceiling, but in the least, I think they're, they're these connective defensive playmakers. Those are things I'll always bank on in terms of like my personal evaluation. So I have Anthony black. So high as like, even if he doesn't reach his potential, he's got this nice base of perimeter defense, passing and playmaking and high IQ. And I think the Thompson twins both have that. So at least they're NBA players. What kind who knows, man. I also had a question. Okay, so I've obviously seen overtime elite. I've seen them uh playing it, but what the hell is it? Like, it's, <laughs> it's not it's not the G League. It's not it's not high school, right? It's it's right. What, what is it? <laughs> it's 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 its own entity separate. Okay. It's basically like advanced AAU. Like it's it's okay. prospects that go to there strictly to focus on basketball. It's its own league, not tied to anything else. So does I think that it's it's like does, si- maybe sixteen or seventeen to twenty year olds is the age rim- age limit. Does that give you any pause in, as far as like maybe competition oh, factor yeah. or it, like? I don't know that it necessarily gives me pause, but it is something that I think evaluators are really, really struggling with right now in terms of like, like you said, what the heck is it? Like we've never right. seen especially a high level prospect come from it. I think John Montero last year played in it. uh, And I think he went in the second round, I believe, but like, that's not close to the number three or four or five picks. So it, (laughs) it's a very exploratory year for it. Like a man and Azar could be the baseline for what we think of the overtime elite for the next decade. So it's really interesting. Who, uh, who do you think gets drafted way higher than than what they're getting mocked? Let's uh, like Leonard mm. Miller is kind of like one of those guys. Like you you mentioned, Derek Lively was getting some like uh, lottery buzz. I I think it's got potential to be like Gigi Jackson uh, yeah. from from South Carolina. I mean, that was a kid that was like five star recruit was going to sign for North Carolina. And then like at the last minute, it was like, no, I'm just going to go to South Carolina. Um, <laughs> Shoot the ball a thousand times right. a game for the Gamecocks. I also have, I also have kind of a crush on Ryan Rupert. Okay. Yeah. I have, I have a basketball crush on him. Not a real crush, uh, a basketball crush for sure. I'll give one guy that I think based on like expert mocks and that's Jalen Hood Shafino. No one's talked about it at all but he has like very quietly snuck from like a 14 to 16 guy to he was like ninth on Gavoni's. He was eighth on Wasserman's in the last week. That's just like me reading the room. Like obviously a team somewhere in there is valuing Jalen Hutchifino. And then a guy that I think is Brendan Pajemski out of Santa Clara. I was, I was scouting him right before this and dude, He's good, like really good. Six five, jumbo guard, good defensively, better statistically than J Dub was at Santa Clara. It does it all. Like he's really good, and he's a guy who kind of started out maybe on a few radars and like really propelled himself all year from like, oh, he's late second round. Oh, he's mid second round. Oh, he's a fringe first rounder. Like he's a guy that I really think some lottery teams could be checking out. I, I don't think he'll go lottery, but like if a lottery team is even doing their due diligence on him, that's a that's a compliment in my book. I think he'll go very high. I love it. I love it. Derek, before we get you out of here, 
Um, is there st- like this is a brand new segment I'm starting right now at this segment or at this second uh, called uh, things Derek Parker needs to get off his chest. So just throughout <laughs> this whole process, uh, it can be about thunder. It can be about just NBA draft in general. Um, I mean, just give a couple things you need to get off your chest. You know, say it out loud, man. Can we just go to anything in general, like non-basketball? Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. I think you saw. I tweeted it out the other day. Hot takes. I have a I have a notes app full of hot takes, and I tweeted the first one, and I, know, I got, and it got obliterated. Gross. I like Dasani's not bad. It's all water to me. I don't care. I'm Thank with you. you on that. Thank you. I stand with you. Um, I'll just throw out like a few more, like really test the water yeah. some more. I think every bean sucks. Baked bean, coffee bean, jelly bean, every bean trash uh cookie cake only acceptable form of cake uh shampoo is overrated i will not elaborate uh uh, last one taco bell is not meant to be digested it's commercials only that's it that's commercials during when nicole Jokic gets drafted absolutely yes that's the the literal best player in the world right Uh, that's what so i i appreciate those i do i do um, I will say I agree with still just probably the Dasani one. <laughs> to be yeah. And That's Taco fine. Bell. And Taco That's Bell. Fine. I yeah. agree. It's not to be digested uh, at all. But Derek, man, I really appreciate this, dude. Seriously, no one no one in my mind does it better, dude. Even you can just go listen to last year's pod uh, <laughs> if you guys have any pause about Derek, uh, because I listened to it again today. And uh, pretty much everything that Derek said came true. So, <laughs> Again, so don't, Derek. <laughs> don't take my word for it. Like I probably just got lucky. No, absolutely not. Derek, tell everyone <laughs> where uh, they can follow you if they aren't already. I'm sure they already are, but tell them where they can follow you and find your awesome work, man. Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at DParkOK. I throw out just the worst takes imaginable over there on the Twitter <laughs> machine in the Twitter sphere. All my writing, I'm going to go by medium. All my writing is over at insidethethunder.com and Draft Digest, uh, both on the SI Fan Nation channels. And then I've been doing a lot of stuff on YouTube lately at Derek slash Parker. I've been putting up weekly uploads over there. I'm really going to hit it hard in like the 24 cycle. So I'm excited for that. Awesome, man. Well, I appreciate you, everyone. Yeah, go check out the the Draft Deep Dives, man. Uh, dude, I really appreciate it, man. It's awesome. Always, always awesome to talk to you, man. Of course, Matt. Always, uh, always a blast to be on the legacy OKC82 pod. Absolutely. One of the, one of the originating members, Derek Parker <laughs> uh, of this year podcast. Appreciate you, my guy.